Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> so if we, if we haven't met before, um, I'm James Barris, uh, one of the teachers here at Spirit Rock. Um, this is Elad Levinson, who's the Director of Programs and Community Development. Uh, and uh, Elad and I, along with uh, Ghidra Gershman, raise your hand, Ghidra, and uh, Melanie Spear, uh, and Mariah, is Mariah around? There she is in the back. Uh, helped, uh, uh, wanted to put this on, uh, this day on to support uh, you and Kalyanamita groups and Ghidra and, and Melanie are two members of the community that uh, have put in some really great energy in uh, in supporting these groups. They've both been in uh, in groups and have led groups for um, for some time, and um, so we wanted to um, to explore, uh, get to know each other. It'll be a time for us to get to to know each other and also um, support you either if you're um, leading a group now or want to uh, become involved with a group. Um, And um, yeah, I'm just uh, spending the day with like-minded friendship. So why don't you say what you want to... I'm particularly... Uh, pleased to be a part of this. Part of, partly the reason is that I have such great respect for James and to be able to be up here and work with him is uh, really a terrific honor. Um, and secondly, because I really believe in the Kalyanamitas as a participant, um, I, I've been a part of one for a little bit over a year and <clears throat> my wife and I are now just started uh, another one up in Santa Rosa and it is just so much fun to be a part of uh, Dharma studies with people who are like-minded and who are interested and curious. So that's my reason for being here. Mm-hmm. And um, did you, do you want to, is this, is this me or you or uh, over so here? Where it says, where, what? what uh, yeah, we could just yeah. ask these questions. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're making it up as we go along. <laughs> well, actually, we spent a fair amount of time thinking it through, but now we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> we, w- we wanted to start by hearing your voices, um, and we have two questions for you, um, and you could address either one of them. Um, one is, first one is, what are you here for, and what would the, make the day a success for you? So what, what drew you? Why did you come? Please. I came to get involved in a group in Marin, and that's why I'm here. Great. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Actually, as we're uh, getting responses for these, um, do that too. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how many people are um, in groups right now? Okay. And are leaders of groups? I'm curious that too. Okay. Great. And uh, how many people are looking to be part of a group? Okay. Wonderful. Good. Well, maybe we can satisfy everybody's needs. No, I gave up on that many years ago, but, but at least we can, uh, we can, we can try. 
Uh, so, and uh, let's see. Can All right, Ron. Names when they um, start yeah, to speak. Yeah, good idea. And who? And who is it that? Uh, Marianne. And and put it right next okay. to your. Yeah. Um, I've been in a group, I guess, for about eight months in Petaluma, and um, I really, really love it. At, and at the same time, there's things about it that I've had questions about. Um, and was hoping to kind of get some of those questions answered today, um, you know, in in how the group sh- uh, should be run. And the one thing, too, I guess for me, there there's kind of a fine line between Dharma talk and talk. And um, <laughs> I was kind of, yeah, I could definitely um, need some help in that area and would like to be able to bring that back to Great. the group as well. And your name? Wendy. Who else? Hi, my name is Debbie, and I traveled up from Monterey to come and be with you today. Wow. Um, Monterey County has no... Monterey County has no insight Theravadan groups. I've been there now for enough years to know what is not there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I've been traveling from from Monterey Carmel area to Santa Cruz for Insight Santa Cruz. Um, but that's a long way to go to be part of a, part of a group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have uh, an out, they call their outpost in Watsonville, but that's still quite a difference. So I thought, well, here's a need, maybe I can fill it. Um, and what I want to get out of this is how to lead, a, a, how to have a peer-led group because we have no teachers in the area mm-hmm. or to see if Spirit Rock could help find ways for us to have more have a teacher or somebody come down and talk with us if I can get a group formed. Great. Great. <coughs> and put it right next to your lips. My name is Guy. Thanks. And uh, I'm from Benicia. And I've had a lot of experience in uh, 12-step groups for a long time, especially in uh, the area and the district, uh, you know, as a, as a leader and a, um, a leader of groups. And uh, I, I got a lot of tips from my uh, elders and my peers, you know, about uh, how to uh, uh, facilitate and, you know, do stuff like that. And uh, eventually, after a period of time, I've also had some therapeutic group with, uh, work with the groups. And... Uh, I've been with some men's groups, and I've been um, at a f- couple of monasteries, you know, where I've gone to meetings. And when I saw the advertisement for this, there was uh, the thing that appealed to me, how to keep the idea of what the lady over there just said about Dharma talk as not s- segueing into talk. And um, one of the, for example, like in a, a 12-step group, if we have a speaker discussion, he is the speaker in his experience, and we're supposed to talk on his topic. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, we get everybody being a speaker. <laughs> and this really appealed to me when you'd said how to keep it in, uh, in the mode of a Dharma talk and a topic, and we stick to it. Mm-hmm. And I really want to learn about this because I've, uh, there's a great interest in Benicia in this type of thing, the mm-hmm. Kalyana meeting mm-hmm. stuff. And I have a teacher here, Heather, who you know, wants me to get involved. She's excited about it. So I really want to find the discipline and the structure, mm-hmm. how right. it stays and stays that way. Because um, in a men's group, we started once for three and a half years. We left 
the 11th step, which is about meditation and prayer. Mm-hmm. And we started reading different books. Then all of a sudden, we started getting leaders and officials on each topic. And mm-hmm. I, I moved over to a monastery from there for a better direction. Mm-hmm. So this is Great. just what I'm looking for. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi. My name is Kimberlyn Wood. And um, about, I don't know, maybe six months ago. Kimberly, I, just uh, make speak up a little bit that you're belting out on yeah. Yeah. Song. Well, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, my name is Kimberlyn Wood, and about six months ago, I called to Spirit Rock to because I was ready to get a um, Kalyana meet to group be in a group um, for for strength and support around my practice. And um, I was surprised to find out that there are no Kalyana meet to groups that are open to new people in the San Geronimo Valley, which is this valley. Mm-hmm. And so I live in Lagunitas, and I have a little home, and I live there by myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought to open my home to um, a possible meeting place for people to come to meditate. I know I need that in my life, but I would be also, I want to extend my hand if there's other and that would be a successful day for me if there, if I could find a couple of other people in this area that would be um, interested in doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hi, I'm Adrian, and I live in San Rafael, and I come here every Wednesday. And you know, it's this is good, uh, but it would be nice. Uh, I would make my day if I could get a group going in San Rafael or. You know, around San Rafael. Hi, my name is Zita, and I know James for a really, really, really long time, so it's wonderful being here, seeing James. Um, The reason why I'm here is I've been leading groups for the past 45 years, And inevitably, there's someone in the group that's challenging or super challenging. And, um, you know, there's, I've developed a way of being with it and supporting and sometimes having to, you know, just be a little firm with that. But I'd like to hear another way of being with challenging people that come into groups mm-hmm. uh, because it really affects the whole group mm-hmm. and, um, and it affects me as the facilitator of the group as well. So uh, it would be nice to just hear another perspective. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks. Um, my name is Pam and uh, I'm from San Francisco <clears throat> and um, I just recently found out about Kalyanamitic groups um, but I um, have wanted to uh, do study with other people um, uh, very much, and um, uh, so I, I when this uh, I found this uh, uh, happening, I wanted to find out more about what happens in these groups, and um, I found out that there's one in San Francisco that is going, and they just recently contacted me, and I haven't had a chance to contact them, so I want to either start another group in San Francisco or join that one. Yeah. Hi, I'm Ariana, um, and I live in Berkeley, which is a hotbed of Buddhism. <laughs> um, I just recently decided I'd 
would like to explore being in a Kalyanamita group. Um, I think because um, I have my friends and I have my spiritual practice and they're completely separate and I thought it'd be nice to have people that I'm close to that I could share this with that's, because it's important to me. <clears throat> Anybody else? <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Sherry and I live eight miles from here. So um, uh, I'm here to get more information because I'd heard about these groups, don't know really enough. Uh, I've had group facilitation experience, a lot of it, but I, I'm not going to volunteer to, <laughs> to lead anything at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm, um, have my spiritual connections for the past 10 years have been in San Francisco and uh, it's getting harder for me to drive over there and, you know, and at night and stuff. And I was just hoping that I can make some connections with people that live, you know, in the general county. So that's me. Great. Anybody else, Anybody else before we close up this part of the discussion? <clears throat> okay. Okay. That's great. Mm, maybe it's okay to just uh, mm-hmm. say a few yeah. words. Um, <clears throat> just uh, so you, so you're a little bit uh, familiar that um, there's a few different kinds of of groups. Kalyanamita groups have been well; they've been going on probably since the time of the Buddha, but. Uh, uh, but the last, oh, 20, 25 years or so, I think when I first wrote those guidelines, and it came out of somebody, uh, a friend, saying, well, you know, it's all well and fine to go to a sitting with, uh, with a teacher up front and a large group, but um, there aren't enough teachers to go around and we we want to uh, be able to hear our own practice, and how how wouldn't it be nice to support uh, each other in their own, in our own practice? And I thought that was a really good point and good idea that people who've been practicing for a while have a lot to uh, share with each other, and people who haven't been practicing for that long uh, can benefit from those who have. Uh, And the way that um, we suggested getting groups uh, is for, um, for ideally, two Dharma friends who really connect with each other. That was my original thought. uh, To have a a space where others can uh, can join in the conversation, and uh, the reason I suggested uh, pairs of facilitators is that it uh, it diminishes both the um, projections that people have on whoever is leading, and uh, mitigates to some extent the. Um, uh, identification with role of being a leader, and uh, two people holding the space makes it uh, makes it easier all around. Although 
a number of groups uh, are led by people who have been doing a fair amount of practice. And uh, there's there's two, as I said, uh, two main different groups that I see. One is peer facilitation, where people are just coming together, and there's nobody who is the answer person, but you're just creating a space for everybody to be able to hear each other's wisdom and uh, and sorting through and uh, questions and issues of, of practice, uh, creating a safe environment for that. And there's also um, another kind of group that a lot of them have come, say, out of my uh, beginning class. Ghidra uh, started, and a number of people in my community have, have done that, and or or others from other areas where there's somebody who's done a fair amount of practice and there's new people who are wanting to get into practice and that kind of a group, the leader, um, again, is a facilitator, not necessarily the teacher, but somebody who has a little bit uh, more experience and can help again, bring out the wisdom from everybody else. So whether you are new to practice or you are um, a seasoned practitioner that is looking for like-minded friendship, um, there hopefully will be groups uh, that address both of those uh, and other possible configurations that that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, And there's no one right way I, I wrote these guidelines a while ago, and I think there's a, 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 lot, a lot of useful suggestions in them, but each group has a life of its own. Each group develops organically depending upon the, uh, the makeup and the interests of groups. Some groups have focus on a book or on a particular theme like why speech or working with emotions or going through difficulties or, uh, or taking a path with heart or awakening joy or dancing with life and go through uh, or a sutta studies. And each group also has a different um, composition of people who are wanting to either get into deep dharma topics and have not so much talk, personal sharing, and other groups that have, are just as rich and important are more for people who really want like-minded friends to help, to help explore what comes up in their life issues and how the Dharma can inform that. And it's more of a personal uh, exploration with the Dharma as holding the, the context and the difference between talking in a Dharma context and just talking uh, is, is a key. But there's, in that continuum, uh, a variation of what needs will be um, called for and, and how they can be met. So I don't want you to think that you're not doing it right. The main thing is, are people being nourished by their like-minded friendship. 
and maybe we can explore how to bring out the best in that as people, um, as, as we continue on with the day. So anything yeah. else before? Yeah. Um, okay. Is my mic on? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't on. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the um, the concept that a kalyana mita is a it's a laboratory, um, and it has kind of two different dimensions. Um, one dimension of the laboratory is that it's a a place for self-study. So um, often when people you know, go on retreat or they come to a day long here um, and they're on the cushion, they think of that as their practice. Like, okay, so now I'm meditating, I'm on the cushion, and then I leave the cushion. And somehow leaving the cushion is also leaving behind the practice because it's very easy to kind of forget that the post-meditation experiences as much a part of the Dharma practice as anything else. And one of the great things about Kalyanamitas is that it's a laboratory where you can see in action how your mind works. You know, you're, you're sitting there and um, you're, if you're observing um, and you're being mindful uh, kind of in the moment, you can, you can kind of track how certain sensations arise when some people speak or a topic raises to a certain level um, uh, of unpleasantness uh, a reaction or you have a very strong uh, reaction to somebody and oh yes they're so right I agree with them Um, and the the difference in my mind the difference between being in a Kalyanamita and any other group is that I take the responsibility for anything that arises as being part of my practice. So one of the things that it does is it kind of eliminates the, um, uh, the tendency towards projecting on other people wh- why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. So instead of it being, I am feeling the way I'm feeling because this person is acting in this particular way, the way that I think about it is that I'm in this middle of this environment and that there are all kinds of stimuli and that they're just revealing my unconsciousness. They're revealing my, my tendency towards the mind going to unpleasantness or pleasantness or neutral or the mind's tendency to kind of construct a whole story about this particular person who I don't know and have never met. Um, so I love the Kalyanamita because it's this very powerful laboratory. And the second part of it that's equally beneficial is that moment by moment, it's an opportunity to apply the Dharma to anything that arises. And um, like Guy, I've been a part of 12-step programs for many years. And one of the things that they talk to you about in, in 12-step programs is always look at what step are you working? Well, how are you applying this particular step to this particular situation? And I've kind of carried that over into my Kalyanamita. And what I do is I try to bring like a concept from the Dharma into how I'm hearing. So maybe what will happen is that I'll notice that the group is suffering with something that's been said. And instead of it being something to kind of get upset about, 
It's more a matter of like, well, here it is. This is it. This is the first noble truth. Suffering arises, and it arises as a result of being in a human form. So, just some, some ways of thinking about it. Um, so, we, we did put together um, an agenda or some possible uh, flow for the day. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that we thought we'd start out with is a little bit about the sitting practice. Uh, some of you have been practicing for many years, decades, and some are perhaps newer to practice. Um, but it was, it was suggested that perhaps as either facilitators or members of the group, uh, a, a few... Uh, different approaches to to practice, and that we would practice a little bit to to start. Besides that, uh, that brief uh, just settling in. <clears throat> so I th- I thought I would I would share a few words on that and, uh, and see if there's uh, any any questions, and we can do some practice together as a, a kind of way to connect. Uh, if that sounds okay. Um, so first for the sitting practice, I'm assuming that um, everybody here uh, has some sitting practice. So you know the, the basic idea of mindfulness is just to be here, to be present for your experience in, in, a, in a non-judging way. If you're a support for others in practice, or, or even if you're a uh, relatively new practice for yourself, one thing that I want to um, encourage you and, and convey uh, is um, how to make the practice user-friendly and uh, not have it one more way that we judge ourselves and feel frustrated mm-hmm. by what's going on. Uh, as uh, as Trungpa Rinpoche said, uh, if there's, uh, if there's a, a conflict between you and the Dharma, chances are the problem doesn't lie with the Dharma. <laughs> uh, and we can, we can use our practice as a, a, a way to grade ourselves or feel frustrated or um, uh, somehow um, uh, it's, it's not a nourishing experience. It's a chore that we do that's good for us. And uh, that's unfortunate because probably everybody here was drawn to Dharma practice because uh, you found it something very, very beneficial. Uh, and you... I believe that the more you see practice as a nourishing experience, mm. as your great ally, the more you will want to turn inward and uh, see it as, as a source of nourishment and, and, um, and connection and inspiration. So that the key that I like to communicate, that I do every retreat and every beginning class which, by the way, in case you're, uh, it, it, 
it's relevant to you. I'm going to start a new beginning class in Berkeley tomorrow, a six-week beginning class. I do that a couple of times a year, and I'm happy to speak with anyone uh, who wants it. But I'll be saying this tomorrow at the beginning class. The key, as I see the practice, is what you do with the wandering mind. Because your mind, the mind wanders. If you feel this is, if you have a frustrating relationship to this, then meditation is going to be a drag. Hmm. But if you see, oh, this is what minds do, and not to take it personally, not to think that you're doing anything wrong, but to explore the laboratory of the human mind, then then you can be in on the, this predicament, in on the joke instead of the butt of the joke, as I, I sometimes say. Um, the Buddha said in one, one teaching that I love, he said, in this fathom-long body, the whole of the Dharma is revealed. So this is your laboratory to see what it means to have a mind and a body. And particularly when you realize that your mind has wandered, that's going to be the key moment that will condition your whole relationship to sitting practice. A very common response is, when you realize it's gone, oh darn it, there it is, gone again. Let's get back here and do this right. And what you are doing with that response is just cultivating frustration and judgment and discouragement and agitation with a little bit of awareness thrown in. You don't get any extra credit for beating yourself up. (laughs) And it happens pretty commonly. A second response when you're gone, and while you're gone, you're gone. There's not much you can do about it. Have you noticed? If there was, you'd be back. But while you're gone, you might be gone for five seconds or five minutes or 25 minutes. You're gone. But the moment that you realize you've been gone, at that point, besides not beating yourself up, another common snag is, oh, I've been lost in thought. But this is a really interesting thought. Let me just go with this one. And when you've done that, you have bitten the bait. And you're gone again. So it takes some intention and resolve to not get hooked by your thoughts, no matter how profound or bizarre or troublesome they are. They're just thoughts coming and going. The recommended approach is when you realize you've been gone, instead of any kind of a judgment for it, appreciate that you've just come back to the present moment. Here you are. You're finally here. Don't spend time berating yourself for having been elsewhere. You've just lost connection with the present again. But there can be actually that experience, ah, here we are again, right here in the present. It's like pressing the clear, clear button on the calculator. You know, it doesn't matter how complicated the numbers get, even past the E. Mm-hmm. You press that C, whoosh, ah, fresh start. 
And if you can bring yourself back with that appreciation and with a very kind and patient and loving attitude that's simply coming back here again, that's where the training occurs. So the key isn't how long can I stay, it's just when you realize you've been gone, bring yourself back in that loving way. And then the practice becomes your friend. It's not something that you're, you're having a report card for. It's just, oh, okay, come on back. And I like to make it like a game. Let's just, it's the game of presence. How present can I be? Oh, cool. Oh, I was gone. Okay, come on back. You're never too late to go to come back. It's just a half breath away is... As somebody sitting up the hill, I was sitting there uh, teaching in February, said, oh gosh, it's just a half breath away. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how long I've been gone, it's just a half breath away. The corollary to that is no matter how clear you are, getting lost is just a half breath away. (laughs) So it's a binary function. You're either here or you're lost. And when you realize you're lost, oh, come on back. And in, in that loving, kind, patient way, that's how the practice develops. And that's how you make friends with your mind, and that's how you, um, you, you develop a, a really uh, healthy relationship with, with practice. Okay, does that, any question or comment about that? Kidra? As you've been uh, talking, I've been relating it to the practice of being within a group and having, the, uh, having one's attention focused on the group and as someone else's um, Uh, after the sit in a Kalyana Metta group there's Mm. usually going around and discussing a book and a lot of times um, we get distracted and our mind wanders off and it's the same idea of the sitting practice you just bring right into your speaking listening practice yes so and that's something, if everybody is on the same page and seeing, oh, this is about being present with each other right now, and you have that same attitude with your conversation as you do with your own inner world, and everybody is agreeing that being here and being connected and being present and having a, a, a flow of, of awareness is the key, then everybody can, be, can support each other in that. And later on, one thing I'm, I'm going to be talking about um, is about what spiritual friendship is and how we can bring that, that attitude more into, into the groups. Um, can I? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, um, I got asked to uh, speak at uh, Temple Emmanuel um, to a bunch of 11th graders um, on a- April 13th about the difference between differences and similarities between Judaism and Buddhism. And um, I was bar mitzvah, and I taught Sunday school, and um, actually co-founded Camp Tawanga, which is a Jewish community center camp, and. Um, I left Judaism for a very specific reason, and that was that I didn't find enough competency 
development in Judaism. That what I mean by that is that philosophically, I completely agree with a lot of what is in Judaism. I, I, you know, I feel a heart connection with it, and I, I appreciate it. But what I found in Buddhism that was quite different was this emphasis on developing skills. And you know, when James was talking a moment ago about the recognition that your mind is elsewhere, that's actually, if you draw a circle around it, that's a skill. That's a sub-skill. And as a Kalyanamita, you could break down, I'm just thinking about those of you that are thinking about starting them or you're looking for content, that one place where you could find content would be to take a practice and break it down into a series of sub-skills and work on it as a Kalyanamita for a period of time. Like today, every time that you notice that your mind has wandered, bring it back without judgment. That's the, that's the practice for today. And then you could say, okay, well, once we've got that kind of we've, in our consciousness, let's pick something else. And, and as you break things down, you begin to kind of build a skill set and you begin to feel more competency. And as you feel more competency, you feel more confidence in the Dharma and in your practice. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, and you're, you're also just reminding me one thing that I have, um, have found very helpful is that um, besides coming together, besides the time, whether you're meeting weekly or uh, every other week or once a month or whatever interval, if, you, if everybody in the group sees the meeting as a kind of springboard and support to keep your practice alive in between the meetings, then it's even richer than just coming for some connection and a little bit of, of um, you know, interesting conversation. This is about supporting your practice throughout your week throughout your days. And if you come back, like, as Ilad was saying, if everybody's saying, if you can remember it, okay, this, this next week, let, we're all going to explore the judging mind, you know, uh, judging ourselves. You know. Oh, now we're going to explore, uh, we're going to put a little bit more focus on... Uh, how we judge others and how it gets in the way, just as an exploration. Or this week we're going to talk, uh, we're going to explore why speech and, and saying what's truthful and what's useful, or whatever it happens to be that you're studying, then, then the, the gathering time becomes um, a support for the practice being a living, embodied exploration with those skill sets, whatever you happen to be supporting each other with. Okay, so how about if w- this this first practice we just do a little bit of a little bit more practice and there's so many different ways that you can do vipassana practice. Of course, there's loads and loads of methods. Um, what we often do here is use the breath as the 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 main um, anchored to the present, but it doesn't have to be the breath. For some people, it can be just sitting and knowing that you're sitting, or it might be opening up to sounds, or lots of different ways. It can be scanning the body. Um, whatever way that you practice, um, you can use that practice and just let the mind be very relaxed, 
because if it's trying too hard, it gets tight. So first, a nice ease, and you might, as you're sitting here, um, have a quick body scan and notice any places of tension or holding and invite them to soften throughout your face and neck and shoulders and torso and down through your body, through your hips and legs. And feel yourself sitting and connected to the earth. And I like to take a few deeper breaths and breathe in a calming energy and uh, relax as you exhale. And then letting the, the breath find its own natural rhythm. Let yourself be breathed. And if the breath is your anchor, then that's just a place that you can always return to. But let the mind be very relaxed and open. No need to push anything out. And let it become interested in this moment. This is a moment of your life. Just to honor it with your attention. And for these next few minutes, as I just said, whenever you notice the mind wandering, that's the key moment in practice. No judgment, not taking it personally, appreciating that you've just come back to the present and let the return be done with great kindness and patience and simply begin again. We'll sit for about uh, five minutes now. And when you hear the bell, notice the hearing and let the transition of coming out of the stillness be a smooth and mindful and gentle one. And then the other important moment is the end of the sitting. Just notice if there's any kind of judgments about how it went. Oh, I was spaced out, or I'm such a pathetic meditator, or hey, I think I'm pretty cool at this. I'm kind of getting it. Just notice them. Don't believe them, and whatever happened is fine. So... Before I go on, uh, and um, just any questions about about that, about relating to practice, or um, uh, both for your own or supporting others in, in their practice that might have come up. <clears throat> <Okay. clears throat> yeah. 
And uh, let's see. It's on. Very often I find that um, to have a practice where you're where I say to myself okay I will get up and I will meditate 20 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then life intervenes so my question is is it better to meditate in 5 10 minute increments throughout the day when you're less when your your schedule is less demanding than to try to um, commit yourself to that morning, 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good question, and it probably will come up a lot in, in your groups. Uh, give that to her. Um, people come up to up the hill and do retreats, and they fill out their question, their interviews, and they've done like 15 retreats and describe current practice. I really want to get back into it. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's so it's so fascinating how this thing that is so um, rich and supportive for us is is not so easy to do. Uh, again, you don't want it to be um, a chore or something that you get frustrated by. My personal take is uh, you want it to be your friend, and you do it in any way that's supportive for you. I have an agreement with myself for many years now that I will at least get into the posture every day. Because once I'm in the posture, that's the hard part. I've been doing this a long time and I can't remember having meditated and afterwards saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) But it's getting past that inertia, that's the hard part. And if it's even five minutes that's better than nothing at all. It's like you're honoring the Dharma. But if you have it set up in your life, oh, 30 minutes or bust, or 45 minutes twice a day, that's what a good meditator does, then you're just not measuring up to that uh, in your mind. And then if you don't do it, and it becomes, it becomes a drag. Or if you do do it, yes, I'm a good meditator. And that's, you've just reified that, that sense of self anyway. So you want to do it as a gift to yourself rather than this heavy-duty homework assignment. And if you have a hard time giving yourself a gift, then think of it as giving everybody else in your life a gift because they will appreciate whether or not you, uh, they know that you're doing it. And yeah, for some people, it's doing a chunk of time. Other people, it's just a, a few times during the day. Or if you can... You know, another way that, I, that I, I work my own practice is when I'm starting to get wound up or a little bit off balance, there's a, a little light bulb that goes on. Wait, there's another way. And even if it's just taking a few mindful breaths to come back to myself, if you can have that connection, oh, getting a little spun out, time to reconnect rather than, oh, well, when I have 45 minutes, then I'll be able to meditate or next time I do a retreat, then I'll get it all together. Forget that. It just takes a few mindful breaths. And if you can do that a few times during the day, anytime you're waiting in line at the supermarket 
or at the movie theater, or in traffic, or whatever. Oh, I can come back to myself if you make it like a game. So do it in a way that really works for you. Okay, anything else about the, the actual sitting practice? Well, I, I would recommend when you do your groups, when, you, when you're in a group or leading a group, that you sit together. Um, because that's the thing that, that you can all share. In sharing the silence, it's a lot less likely that there's going to be some arguments right? <laughs> or who's controlling the space. And it's more like, oh, we all honor this amazing capacity for the mind to turn inward and reconnect with life. Uh, and I would encourage people both to um, start out a meeting uh, with some sitting and to encourage and support people to practice regularly in between meetings um, not to feel guilty if you didn't come, if you didn't do it so you don't come next time but to really encourage each other to keep the practice going and uh, maybe at the end of the meeting uh, if not before just a few moments of quiet together and dedicating the merit of, of your, your gathering like that. So, um, I, I was wondering yeah. if you could speak to two questions that come up in KMs. One is, what's the value of um, guided meditations versus you know the kind that we just did, the kind of more silent meditation? And secondly, is there a place for metta practice in Kalyanamitas, and if so, how how would you might recommend using that? I, w- I was thinking about whether or not to do uh, metta, but uh, uh, there there certainly there's a place for metta practice in an ongoing way in the exchange. If you want to do formal metta practice, how, how many people have done metta practice here? So most many of you, just programming your heart for opening and softening. Um, so uh, the, the first was, what was it again? Guided meditation. <laughs> oh yeah, guided yeah. meditation. Um, <clears throat> it can be good, but it's a tricky thing if the, if the leader, it depends what kind of relationship the leader has with mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because if it's a, f- fairly much of a peer group, the leader you know, can raise a lot of eyebrows and saying, you know, well, who do they think they are? <laughs> so it, you know, there can be a value in either rotating a kind of, if, if people say, yeah, it would be nice to have a little bit of a reminder, to rotate it. <laughs> what you don't want to do is set up a kind of resistance and who's leading and what does it mean they're leading, if everybody says, wow, I'm so glad that you are facilitating this and I really, um, uh, and we really want you to, to step into that role, fabulous. If not, if it's more of a peer group, it might be better to rotate that kind mm-hmm. of a thing or to have, uh, you know, you can, there's loads of guided meditations on Dharma Seed. Yeah. So, or, you know, loads of guided meditations anywhere and just be a neutral kind of a thing. Uh, we just did morning instructions for the month of February and each morning, it's up there on the Dharma Seed 
uh, seed thing. Is anybody not familiar with what Dharma Seed is? <clears throat> DharmaSeed.org is a fabulous website where you can have thousands and thousands of talks by all the the best teachers in, in our community. And, um, and there's talks and guided meditations. And you just go to dharmaseed.org and you'll get it. They have a new app for the, for the iPhone. Yeah. Dharmaseed has an app for an iPhone? Oh, excellent. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, aren't we recording to post on Dharmaseed this workshop? Yeah. Uh, is that yeah we yeah we'll we'll post this not not your individual personal confidential comments but but our uh, just our general uh, comments. What's that? It's been on the whole time, so yeah, yeah, it'll be edited out. Um, uh, <clears throat> so guided versus not guided, you know, you want to be very delicate with roles. Or very conscious about roles and how you're perceived, or how you perceive the the leaders. Uh, it's a bit different, as I said, that other kind of group where somebody's been experienced and is and is helping to um, to bring out and develop the wisdom of everybody else. Then then that's uh, you'll you'll be seen in uh, somewhat of a different different way, different light. As far as meta practice or, or not meta practice, you know, metta, um, which is the same root as mita in Kalyana Mita, which I, I'm gonna, I'll talk about in a little little while, uh, means loving kindness. Uh, mita or mitra means friend in Pali and, and Sanskrit. Uh, so metta practice is loving kindness practice, or you can think of it just as kindness practice. If loving kindness seems a little bit lofty, just basic kindness practice. Uh, and to do it um, again, there's guided metta practice in uh, in Dharma Seed on the Dharma Seed site. There's something there, and. Um, um, as far as doing it formally together, if the group is focusing on developing qualities of heart, then I think it's fabulous. Even more than the formal practice, I think of mindfulness as developing a kind awareness in the moment. And for the purposes of a group, and we'll talk about this in a little while, we can focus on it here for a moment, if everybody is on the same page that this is a place where kindness is the context, is the, uh, is the ground from which everybody comes, that is what spiritual friendship is, or the heart of spiritual friendship, where you are wise speech saying what's truthful, what's useful, in a kind way, so that everybody can hear. And the more everybody can agree that that is the bottom line tone of communication, then you're all there to help each other wake up to wise speech in real time 
not just theoretical. And I don't know if you have any other comments uh, along that. No. Mm -hmm. So did you want to yeah. do this next? Uh, yeah.